Welcome to season two of the Minority League, a podcast looking at minorities in hockey, sharing their stories and histories, and asking why aren't there more minorities in hockey. I'm Anar Birji. And I'm Minashi Mukherjee. And this is the Minority League. Hello, everyone. This is our last episode for season two. If you've been listening, you haven't missed the fact that Anar and I are very big Pittsburgh Penguins fans. One of our favorite players had a milestone a few weeks ago. Brian Rust played in his 500th NHL game. Okay, that's great. But I really have to talk about Chris Letang. (laughs) Yes, I want to talk about him too, because the Penguins' recent win against the Flyers was Letang's 1,000th NHL game. And it's a nice little neat circle because Letang's first NHL game was against the Flyers, one of the Penguins' big rivals. And just before that milestone, he mentioned to reporters that he didn't know if he'd make it to that many games. And that's because he survived two strokes, including one this season, and his father passed away not long after that. Latang has also endured season-ending injuries, so it's really remarkable that he's played in that many games, and also it's a really rare feat. Yeah, I've been following hockey just long enough to have seen Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Latang's thousandth game ceremonies. It's really wonderful to see the big three celebrate this milestone together. We're thrilled that Franz Jean, goaltending coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joins us for this episode. He is active in the NHL Coaches Association BIPOC coaching program, which focuses specifically to support minority coaches with skills development, career building, and leadership initiatives. Sean currently coaches one of the best goalies in the NHL, Andre Vasilevsky. We asked him to talk us through his hockey journey. Well, for me, is uh, I, I really uh, I started to play in the schoolyard. Um, uh, as, uh, as I was probably eight years old, nine years old, seven, eight, nine. And, um, I, uh, we were playing at the recess and, uh, I started to, uh, to really enjoy the game. I started to really enjoy, uh, I was an athletic kid growing up and, uh, I could run fast and we were playing with a tennis ball with our street hockey sticks and, and I, I could run, I could, I, you know, I, 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 I was pretty athletic. So I, 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 I had a lot of fun and liked to compete. So I had a lot of fun playing it. And I asked my parents, Hey, I'd like to, I'd like to, uh, you know, to play ice hockey. And I could barely skate at that time, you know? So are you sure, you know, and, uh, uh they, um, they registered me, uh, to minor hockey in town of Mont Royal in, in Montreal. And I remember to this day, it's, I, that's how, strong it was for me i remember the day i went to register with my mom i remember the counter i remember the weather outside i remember walking in the rec building in tmr and in our town and uh, and um i remember it was a lady that 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 took my registration and it was 25 dollars at the time for the season and you got a jersey and a pair of socks with that so it's it's unbelievable that was it was 1980 81 around there so i was probably 10 uh, 10 years old so, um, so I, and I remember that. And then, uh, I started to play. I loved it right away. And at one point around 12 years old, 13 years old, I went to, uh, there was a shopping mall close to my house and, uh, uh, I walk and, and it was an open air shopping mall in those days. Now it's a, it's, it's a big shopping mall now, but back in the day it was, it was, it was called Rockland shopping center in Montreal. And it was an open air shopping mall. And I remember walking in the, in, in 
the, the alley where all the stores were on, on each side. And I'm in the middle and there was a sports store and it was goalie gear. There was like the Cooper Brown pads, glove, blocker, and a white mask on a mannequin. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> I, I fell in love with goaltending right there. That's where I fell in love with it. And I I wanted the, that gear so much. And I started to play goal in minor hockey. And and my mom didn't want me to because she wanted me to skate and really be a, a good skater before going in goal. And uh, but I went in the first time I had a shutout. The second time I, I gave up one goal, we won again. And and the rest was history. I never left the net after that, you know. Wow, that that's amazing. What a great uh, background. I I love I love hearing stories about people that are just so inspired when they see they just know this is the this is what I want to do. Oh, yeah, it was it, it, there was nothing more growing up that I loved more than hockey. Wow. Wow. It is nowhere close. And it's it's interesting to me that you started out playing like with a tennis ball, like street hockey, because oh, yeah. I didn't realize how many people start out like that. Oh, like in Canada, recently. that's how you start out. Like, you know, yeah. like you learn to skate when you're young, but like to, to really play with your friends, you play in the streets. Like we've played in the street or at recess in the schoolyard every day, three times a day like the whole year from September to June, like it was, you know, maybe at the, in the late spring, we'd play a little bit of baseball or something like that. But like, it was hockey, hockey, hockey all the time, all the time. And it was, and there was no hockey on TV in those days. There was the Saturday night, hockey night in Canada on Saturday night. And uh, a couple in the 82, 83, there was a game on Thursday night on another channel that they were a Montreal Canadian game. They started to show a game on Thursday nights, you know? Uh, so you'd watch hockey twice a week, maximum, maximum. And the rest of the time you played. Wow. So are the Canadians your team? Yeah, growing up, it was my team uh, for sure. Like I was a huge, huge Montreal Canadian fan growing up. Uh, Guy Lafleur was uh, my first big idol. And uh, I, I saw the end of Ken Dryden's career but I wasn't aware enough to know it was the end and, and how good he was. And then the first really uh, superstar goalie that I've loved in my role was Patrick Roy, who was like, he came in at uh, 20 years old, won the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe. And it, it was, I had a big poster of him in my room and uh, so much, it brought me so much motivation. I wanted to play like him. I wanted to be as good as him under pressure and, you know, like he was uh, truly, truly an inspiration. And even funny thing, at early in my hockey NHL coaching career, I reached out to him uh, just to bounce a couple of things off of off of him, like a couple of challenges I had as a coach. And and I I, I asked him at um, NHL coaches association meetings um, during the draft, and the draft was in Pittsburgh. And I remember asking him because we knew a little bit of each other. He knew a little bit of me because we coached at the same time in the queue in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So he knew who I was. And I came over and I said, Patrick, you know, can I pick your brain later on and everything? He said to me, he said, meet me at one o'clock over here. Boom, like that. So we met, we sat down in the hotel lobby. We talked for, had to be at a good half hour sitting down and he, he gave me 
all his time, all his attention. He answered all my questions, and it truly, truly helped me into my uh, my coaching, into my approach with with the guys I had at the time, and uh, uh, you know, and these things. That's when we say to give back and to be to be there for other coaches. That Patrick Wah was was there for me at, at that moment. You know, that's an amazing story. That's yeah, awesome. childhood idol too. So yeah. you know, goes. Along I mean, he's there. a he's a legend. Like every yeah, that's that's, that's incredible. Story. What a great story. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important, like you said, to give back and to encourage other people to um, to do like to do the same things and yeah. to improve on them and to really you follow need, their passion. You need mentors. Whatever you do in life, you need a mentor. You need you need someone to mentor you. I'm a big big believer in that. Uh, you know, and, and and mentorship is is what basically helps people propel them to the next level in their career, the next level in their life. And and I'm a big believer in that. I had unbelievable mentors throughout my career, and and it certainly uh, certainly helped me get to where I am today. Would you say that there's anyone specific who you're mentoring right now? Well, right now I have a couple couple of guys that uh, are coaching in the in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League that I, I that I try to help uh, a lot and and try to uh, you know to be available to uh, whenever uh, whenever it's needed. Uh, I have a, still I run my Goldie School in in Moncton, New Brunswick, uh, in the summer. So uh, there's a and the amount of kids that come back every year is about 80% of the kids that come back every year to, to our school. And so I'm, I try my best to mentor them as much as I can during the year. Parents will reach out, kids will reach out with, with issues and, or challenges or anything or, or how they should handle certain situation. And, and it's funny because there's some kids that, you know, I've had from, seven eight years old and now they're playing in you know junior hockey or they're playing in 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 in, uh, prep schools and you know and now they're 17 18 and they're still reaching out and you know so it's really really special the 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 most gratifying thing is when i am somewhere and uh, i don't know where someone pops in and said do you recognize me and i and i'm like uh not sure and they say, I used to go to your hockey school, you know, 20 years ago, and it was the best. We had fun. It was awesome. You don't know how much you changed my life. You don't know. This is that's the most that's the most gratifying thing you you you, you can hear is when uh, when those those kids that are now adults reach out and and, uh, uh, you know, come and 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 reintroduce themselves out of nowhere on the street or in a town somewhere and uh, that's real or send an email that's really really special when when you hear that um yeah that um i cannot imagine how that must feel that's really like gratifying and it must be nice to see that um see your hard work and their hard work paying off and just yeah, um, yeah it's, be acknowledged it's, uh, in that it's way fun nice. that's the that's why we do what we do you know it's 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 that you know stanley cups are great and Winning is great, but it's the impact on people. For me, that's always been the the key thing. Is it's try to impact people as positively as possible and help them achieve their dreams. That's that's what I do. You know, that's what I try to do every day. Talking to France gives us a really good opportunity to talk about goalies. First, we're both huge Andre Vasilevsky fans. He's a little quirky, and goalies in general are kind of quirky and. 
bear with me. I've got a short story about that quirkiness. We saw the Penguins play in New Jersey this season, and there was a tiny bird flying around the arena during the game. And after the game, the Devils goalie, Vitek Vanacek, said he knows that bird, that he had seen him out of the corner of his eye during the game, but he's seen him in practice too. And he said that bird is always watching. Um, so that bird seems to be almost a part of the team. I'd say put that bird's name on the Stanley Cup of the Devils win. Oh my God. Yeah. The bird has to make it. I, I wonder <laughs> if, the, I wonder if the bird's still there. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, like Anar said, we love goalies at the minority league. I haven't been following hockey long enough to know if goalies have always been a superstar position. They're so high profile now. I think I can name goalies from most of the NHL teams. You know, there's Shesterkin, Samsonov, Olmark, Grubauer, Flurry, and the list goes on and on and on. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, when you started coaching at the NHL? Um, you know, th there still aren't a lot of minority coaches in the league, you know, is there, was there any adversity that you faced or um, do you think that things have changed since you started versus what's happening now? There was adversity in, in the sense that, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman hired me, Guy Boucher uh, was, was a friend of mine. We, we grew up in the same area. We played hockey together in the summers uh, to work out uh, uh, so we knew each other, we coached against each other in the queue and he recommended me to Steve Eiserman and, and Steve Eiserman, uh, ultimately, uh, hired me under the recommendation of Guy Boucher. But in the NHL, I was an unknown. I didn't play in the NHL. I didn't play in the minors. Um, so I came in and I was a little bit, who's this guy? You know what I mean? How does this guy get here? You know, um, you know, and, and you get in, you get in an NHL coach's room and, uh, uh, there's there's some veterans that are looking at you like you know like who are you you know like where do you come from and and so I had to answer a few questions you know my my first few weeks there uh, from from some of the vets and uh, but um, uh, the the big challenge for me was to be able to to build the trust with NHL goalies in terms of believing in what I was selling believing in the the system and the and the game plan that I was bringing forth, you know, to them. And uh, it wasn't easy at first because we, we didn't have a, a strong team in Tampa. We were kind of a team that was starting a rebuild, but we had a lot of older players. And then Steve starting to unload a lot of the veterans and we really dipped deep, you know, we really dipped down. Uh, he started, we started to bring up all those young guys at Tyler Johnson's, the Palat, the Radko Gudis, the, the Dustin Tokarski's of the world, you know, like, uh, uh, and, and, uh, those guys that, are, you know, I've played now close to 15 years in the league. Um, so, so the coaching that I was bringing to the guys, we were not having necessarily the results uh right away because we were a rebuilding team and that comes with with its territory like you know in the media i took my beating and on social media in the paper media on tv uh, uh name it but ultimately i never really listened to that i i you know i've worked long enough in in the chl that i knew what i was doing was going to work i just needed the right athlete and the right goaltender and the right context circumstances you know and um and i think you know i i think with with 
you know, when when we started to to start going up a little bit, you know, then we made that trade for Ben Bishop and it changed everything. Suddenly we were a better team and we brought in that goalie that could be really, really good. And uh, uh, Ben and I clicked right away. And that was my third year in the league. We clicked right away. He fit exactly into what I what I teach, what I prone my my the game plan I, I bring I bring to the guys, uh, the way I work, game days, practice days. Like he fitted ex- perfectly in that. It, it, it was by accident and by design. It was a little bit of both. I knew I knew he would fit, but I didn't think he was going to fit that well. We just hit it off him and me personally on a personal side off the ice and um we uh, it took off from there like ben was outstanding the years he was with us he was really good kind of put our goaltending on the map and uh he stabilized our our defensive play and uh for the, the five years he was with us he was really a huge part of the core uh, the core group for for our team and then vasi came and vasi took it to another level altogether and uh, so so you know i was the challenge for me was to survive those those three first years, you know, with with the team we had and and with the the carousel of goalies that was was coming in, some retiring, some young guys trying to break through, and you know, like we were quite not there yet with any established guys, and uh, that that was a challenge for sure as as a young goalie coach, I you know, and I was. Steve Eiserman showed tremendous faith in me and in, in keeping me and and having trust in what I was doing. We had multiple discussions over time on on my approach, what I was doing, and and my intents and my approach. And 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 uh, he believed in believed in, in in what I did, and I, I uh, will be forever forever grateful for that. You said that Ben Bishop put uh, the Lightning's goaltending on the map. I mean, you could argue that like you have put Tampa Bay's goaltending on the map between Ben Bishop and you've got Ben Bishop who is an amazing goalie and then Vasilevsky who is arguably the best goalie in the NHL right now and has been for years I mean what about it is your what about your coaching um like really improves players like for listeners how how do you work with um guys like Ben and Andre too. Well, first of all, like, thank you very much for, for, for the comment. I really appreciate it. But at the end of the day, the goalies make the saves. It's not the goalie coach. The goalies make the save. The goalies play under pressure. The goalies have to show up every day and deliver, you know, that's it's, it's them, you know, I'm there to facilitate. I'm there. I'm like a caddy. I'm like a, a tennis coach. I'm like that. That's what, that's what I am. And I, 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 when I see the, the train kind of getting off track, my job is to put the train back on, on the tracks. And, 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 and that's ultimately what I do. I, I'm a big, big believer that, that there's a partnership between the goalie coach and the goalies. It's a huge, huge partnership. Uh, it's a partnership based on trust, based on accountability, um, based on work ethic, based on belief. And, um, and if as a goalie coach, you don't like your goalies, it shows. And if if as a goalie, you don't like your goalie coach, it shows. It shows in your play right away. It's it's very hard to get things in sync. Having said that, I was extremely lucky to have goalies that are very talented, very smart, a hard worker, and that that were open to what I was bringing to the table. 
and uh, that created that relationship of trust that makes it that makes a winning relationship you know it's like any marriage you know you're 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 married to your spouse if there's no trust if there's no belief uh, good luck it's not going to last very long but if you have those two things uh anything's possible sky's the limit i mean i wanted to ask um like you talked about like how well you work with ben bishop and also working with Bassey and like what amazing goalies they are. Were there moments when you were coaching them, when you thought to yourself, like this guy is going to be amazing. Like this is it. Yeah. There's always a moment, right. Uh, you know, uh, for Vassy, I remember like we, we drafted him first round and I've, I've seen him at the world junior on TV and, you know, I knew he was a high, high prospect and, uh, you know, and, and his, his draft year, the draft was in Pittsburgh. And I remember the, the um, it was between him and, and Malcolm Subban, you know, as first rounders. And, uh, okay, who's better? Who's better? And and our head scout, Al Murray, um, would, uh, he, he basically said he is, Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltending prospect since Marc-Andre Fleury. He says, mark my words, he is the best prospect, goaltending prospect since Marc-Andre Fleury. And that's Marc-Andre Fleury, if I recall properly, he was drafted first overall, you know, like if, if I recall properly, it was, anyway, it was, it was an early pick in the, in the draft and unbelievable junior career. And, you know, you see the career he's had, he's still playing at a high level today. So it was, it was big, uh, you know, big, big comment, you know, so and uh, the first camp uh, I saw Vassy was, I think, in a development camp. Uh, and uh, the first time I was on the ice with him, I I went uh, and, you, you know, you have a sense as a coach, you've been around so many goalies, you know, you have a sense of what a good goalie sounds like, moves like, the speed and everything. And the first time I worked with him, I was like, oh, my God, like, what is that? You know, like, that's. He was so powerful, so precise. Uh, he was big, athletic, flexible, driven. Um, he would get scored. He'd be pissed off uh, in practice, you know. And um, I was like, wow, we're going to have some fun here. This is going to be awesome. Like right away, I <laughs> I knew uh, – I knew I, I had a, a gem in my hand. I had the diamond and, uh, um, you know, I, it, it was going to be really, um, I, I, I felt I, I couldn't have a better prospect in my hands as a, as a coach. And Vasi was like, oh, my God, like, we're going to really have fun here. This is a truly, truly special athlete. And for a coach to be able to have an athlete like that, it's, how can I say that? It's it's um it's the greatest gift for a coach to be able to have an athlete like that. Having said that, it's not always easy, you know, but it, it's the the options and the possibilities become sky's the limit. You know what I mean? And and to, as a coach to feel that and to know that, it's you know it's 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 it happens once in a lifetime to have that opportunity to coach athletes you know there's one Wayne Gretzky there's one Mario Lemieux there's one Crosby there's one Ovechkin you know what I mean like to coach talent 
players like that, coach Marty St. Louis to coach like these guys is not like they're not at every street corner, you know? So when as a coach, especially goalie coach where you're really one-on-one, you know, it's, um, it's really, 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 really special. When we spoke with France, the lightning had just suffered a big loss to the Carolina hurricanes. We asked him what it was like to deal with that type of loss and how the players and coaches move forward from there. Oh yeah. yeah. Like to, to be honest, there's games where you're going to lose like that. Like we, we played the hurricane, we lose six, nothing. I think the scoring chances were really lopsided, uh, you know, for the hurricanes. And uh, so you, you, um, you know, I, I rarely look at the game uh, in terms of goals against, you know, uh, I, I tabulate tons of stuff on my, my iPad in terms of notes and, and and different different numbers and and averages and save percentage and all kinds of situations in the game and to me i always go back to that okay did we do this well did we do this did we do this did we do this you know you 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 know in that particular game uh you know the the, the first two goals they scored were literally uh perfect perfect shots he did everything right uh you know Toivonen did, did, did you know was able to put it right onto the bar a great execution by their part. Then the third goal was a handle turnover. That's something that that now I can address, you know. And then they had a couple more goals where you know they were they were great plays. There's games like that where the execution of the other team is so good versus what what you're doing that you you can do all the right things, but you, you still get beat, you know? So it doesn't mean that you need to change things. It doesn't mean that you have to adjust three, four things. Sometimes it happens, you know? So it's just a question sometimes to just say, hey, let's keep on going. Same thing, same game plan. Let's make sure we bounce back. Let's have a good practice the next day and bounce back the next game. And that's what he did against Philly. He had a solid outing. You know, he, we, we had a good morning skate, uh, um Tuesday you know it was our first first skate uh uh since that loss he had a good morning skate very energetic and and focused and then you know he came in yesterday was really good you know especially late in the game he made he made a couple of big saves to keep it at 5-2 and not make it a close game at the end so so sometimes it's just uh it's just about tipping your cap to the other team say hey you know we got to be better you know we got to be better as a team we got to be better as a as goalies, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to change everything. I think I really like that perspective and like you're sharing that because I think for fans, sometimes we're pretty reactionary, like when our team loses yeah, and it's a tough game and we're like, oh, you need to change every, like change the lines, change the goalie. Like, like we got to solve this immediately. And yes. you're talking about it being the long game. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. a long game and, and it's a, hockey is 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 about is about process it's it's not about it's it's not about reacting emotionally it's not about the end result it's about process it's about being able to respect that process and go through that process and and execute through 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 your process and have good habits and and compete at the high level and and the end result then comes you know what i mean and it's going to come in time you know and, um, you know, I think that's if there's one thing that Vasi really, really improved over the last three, four years, and I think that's allowed him to win cups is exactly that, that he 
He focused on the process instead of the end results, which early in his career was really focused on the end result. Uh, like he would, he would be very emotional after, after wins, after loss, you know, like it'd be an emotional roller coaster. And then probably four or five years ago, it started to, he started to really kind of be even keel a lot more, a, a lot more control emotionally. And he was able to, to, to bounce back really quickly from a tough game or from a tough period and, and, or from a bad goal. And, and that made him even, even better. I, I think as a goaltender, it was already really good. And I think that really made him even better. Like now nothing really gets him off his game, you know? And uh, you know, like sometimes he'll be, he's, he's he can be really, really, uh, uh, emotional or, or or mad when when you know the game doesn't go the way he wants it to go, but he'll next morning he's fine. A couple of hours later, we'll talk or we'll text, and he's fine. And you know what I mean? He's able to move on right away, which before it would take him a lot longer to kind of bounce back. You know, so so that's maturity. Yeah, and it seems like experience too. And he, yeah, uh, exactly. He doesn't have games like that off. Like Tampa Bay does not have games like that often. Like, no, well, we have a coaching you know? staff. Yeah. Exactly, we have a coaching staff that believe in in process. And John Cooper is is an outstanding head coach. Uh, he's um, he, he he's about human beings. He's about uh, he's about the process. He's about making sure to allow players to 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 maximize their potential and play in the right roles you know and and, and to really really embrace embrace those roles and make them feel comfortable playing those roles and make them feel that they're contributing to the success of the team why is the NHL coaches association uh BIPOC um coaches program important to you you know, before before the 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 BIPOC uh, uh, group was put together by the the NHL Coaches Association, uh, you know, I I knew of some other black coaches in the game, but I had no idea there was that many, and it's from all areas of 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 the United States, Canada. Um, you know, I I started uh, some of them started to reach out through text, through email. Same thing for me. Uh, it, it's it's unbelievable. Like when uh, when uh, you know we play, you know we play Arizona, we play uh, uh, Minnesota, and I see uh, you know a, a black play by play man in Minnesota, and I see the skill coach for the Arizona Coyotes, who who is a black coach. Who's I'm I'm so proud to see that, and and it gives me a sense that 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 hockey is opening up to everybody and it's really becoming a, a, a an international game and, and, and a game of uh, that, that, that is very inclusive. And, and we always, it, it's, it's kind of a special, special because whenever we see each other in a pro rink, we've, we've never actually talked, but we nod to each other. Like we know what it took to get there. We know what, what were the challenges we know how we felt growing up in this game. We know what it represents to be in the positions that we are in today's game and in today's world. And, and there's, a, there's a great responsibility that comes with that in terms of passing it forward, 
in terms of setting the example, in terms of excellence in what we do um, to to show and to prove that it's anybody can can be great in this game. You know, uh, you just have to love it. You just have to be passionate about it and you just have to to move forward and with with confidence in 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 what you're doing. Um, I, I think you mentioned the Arizona skills coach, uh, that's Nathaniel Brooks, who we've actually interviewed and um, he was on our show earlier this season. So that that's great. That it's, it's yeah. outside, And he's been part of the BIPOC program. So so to to close the loop on that, I, I think the NHL allowed us all to have a forum where we can meet, where we can exchange, where we can realize how many how many of us there is out there and to help each other also going up in the game and 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 having recommendations and and kind of uh, you know making our our way and and promoting uh promoting our group as much as we can um that's great do you can you talk a little bit about your involvement in the program well I, i'm i'm a little bit i'm a participant in the program uh as an nhl coach though i I, I think I am uh, a little bit of a reference for a, a reference for a lot of coaches that uh, kind of want wants wants to bounce things off me and and see a hey, look I'm going through this on my side did you ever experience the same thing what do you think what do you think I should do what do you think is the next step for me what do you think you know I get I get a lot of those those questions and and um, uh, you know and I, I feel I have a responsibility you know at my age I'm I, I turned 50, you know, last year and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 52 soon now. And, you know, I, I've been in, in, in the NHL for more than a decade, close to 15 years now. And I've been coaching either in the CHL or the NHL for 25 years now, you know, and, and on. So I feel I have, uh, uh, I have seen a lot of things. I have, I have been confronted with a lot of challenges over the last 25 years, I have had unbelievable experiences with people in the game in the last 25 years. And, and so I think there's a lot of experience there that I can share. And I think that's a little bit how I'm, I'm viewed in the group. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to, to be included and be part of it and, and be able to share and be able to, to listen also to different stories, you know, like it's, uh, it makes you realize how lucky you are also when you, you hear all the up and comers, that are going through their challenges. And I'm thinking, Hey, you know, like 20 years ago, that was me, you know what I mean? That was me trying to find a way to move on and to get a job here and to have an interview and to just be considered, you know, and you know what I mean? So it's a, it's, it's truly humbling to be part of that group. So at the start of this interview, Franz told us that he agreed to speak with us because he really liked the idea of what we were doing um, to minority women talking about the culture of hockey to him was more intriguing than the requests he usually gets for interviews. Um, I have to say it was really nice to hear that. And it was especially flattering coming from someone like him who has broken so many barriers in hockey himself. Um, I just, it was so kind of him to actually say that to us. I really appreciated hearing it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He He was just had such good energy. I really enjoyed speaking with him. And and it was so nice of him to say that to us at the very top of this. Yeah, I love speaking to him too. And um, also love that he also took a lot of time with us, um, which was very generous because 
to me, it seems like he has a very big job. So I busy guy. He's Andre <laughs> Vasilevsky's coach. And yeah. we would be remiss if we didn't say we fangirled just for like a second at the top of the interview. Um, that didn't make the cut, but he was he was really kind about that too. Actually, he was like, let's just be real. <laughs> and he kind of coached us into starting properly. So that worked out really well. That did. I mean, yes, as we have said, we are a huge fans of Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> so that was also um, pretty delightful that we got to speak to his coach. <laughs> this is our last episode for this season. And looking back on the guests that we've had, Mari Harita, Nathaniel Brooks, Alexandria Briggs-Blake, Renee Hess, we've had a lot of really good discussions on efforts that are in progress, both at the national level and at the community level. What was m- most memorable for you, Anar? Um really so many moments. But one of the things that really stuck out to me was Tarek Al-Bashir talking about how he spent $25,000 on hockey for his son one season. I started talking to friends and other people about that cost. And while other sports might not be quite that expensive, the travel and hotels associated with competitive school sports really adds up and um, seems to be a barrier not just in hockey, but in other sports like volleyball and lacrosse and other things too. And then the other thing that, um, or the other person that I've learned a lot from, I think I've learned from every guest, but um, Alexandra Briggs-Blake, I've learned so much from her because I've gotten to spend some time with her in DC. And she points out details at hockey games about how the in-arena experience could be more inclusive, even something as simple as updating the songs that they play at games. Like one of the songs that you hear at hockey games is Sweet Caroline. And how many people under 40 really know that song? (laughs) So that's one of the small things that she points out, but she also has really welcomed me into the hockey community that she's part of. And it's not just me. I see her supporting other people and players. And it's really a gift to see that sort of leadership. And um, I kind of feel like it's a bit of a mentorship too. I um, am really inspired by her. Yeah, I I actually love hearing the stories um, from you whenever you go and interact with her and any of the other Washington-based guests that we've had on the show. It's it's really terrific that you've found this new circle of friends and supporters and, um, you know, you support them too. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I I think for me, this the stuff that I've, you know, I, I totally agree with you about Tarek and Alexandria, the cost is really um, something that I didn't realize, you know, to what degree the cost was a barrier um, until we really spoke with Zechariah Thomas and learned about Swift hockey and, uh, you know, what he's doing with providing, you know, um, goalie sticks and and regular player sticks now at a much lower cost. It's really going to change, I think, the face of um, access for people that are wanting to play the sport, um, which is a really cool thing. It's neat to see, it'll be neat to see what happens with Swift hockey as, you know, as time goes on here, Uh, he's making a big impact really quickly here. And then also um, I found it really interesting when we spoke to Mary Harita, all, all the initiatives that the Kraken are doing with the indigenous people of the area, they're just being so thoughtful and mindful about how they're making um, those community uh, connections there. It's, it's, it's truly inspiring. And, and I feel like I learn something every time I read anything about the Kraken, they're, they're very, very good about like 
um, engaging and educating the public with um, the reasoning behind the initiatives that they're doing. So whether that's climate related or culture related, it's it's a it's a good thing. It's a really cool thing that they're doing out there. Yeah, the Kraken really have been doing a lot of great work in their communities and um, really bringing people into the sport. And you see that with some other teams too, like Vancouver is another good example of that. They have a lot of really joyful nights celebrating the communities in Vancouver. And I think that says to people, um, to their fans and to people who might um, not be interested in the sport, but who might like see information about like a South Asian night, a a Canucks game, like it says to them, you're welcome. We celebrate you. We want you to be here. We want you to be part of the community. And I think that that's something that like really breaks down those barriers for minorities in hockey. So the Kraken, the Canucks, there are other teams that are doing that sort of stuff. Um, It's really great to see that. And I hope to see more of it next season. We are heading to our off season and we'll be getting ready for the next season. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Enjoy the summer. And we'll be back in a few months. Thanks for spending an entire hockey period with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen. Subscribe to the Minority League podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and on iHeartRadio. Visit us on theminorityleague.com, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and Instagram at TMLpod. This episode was edited by Joe Alvaro, produced by Anar Virji and Manashi Mukherjee.